the technical busy work required to produce a podcast can be a struggle. Establishing trust with clients and increasing sales for your company with your own podcast is something you can do well. We interview the top podcasters in the industry to provide hacks and insights to help you start and scale your podcast. Welcome to The Smooth Podcast. Hey everyone, we are back with The Smooth Podcast. On this episode with activist Julian Esteban Torres Lopez, Julian has engaged with audiences as an educator, storyteller, museum director, even as a host topic expert, moderator, workshop leader, activist, journalist, podcaster throughout his career. So you name it. Julian has done everything. Julian, welcome back to the show. We're so glad to have you. Please, let's just jump right into it, okay? I think that there are some like really big lessons to learn here. First, you got to know what you want to say if you want to have a voice, when you're focusing on having a mission-based podcast out there, you got to know what you want to say and open that space. Second, build relationships. Do not think about results. Just build relationships and results will happen. I love that one. I really love that one. But even for and, businesses, not just mission-driven, because every business yeah. has a mission and has a vision. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was going. I was going to how important it is to build a relationship and get to know who you're talking to before establishing any relationship like in life. I don't think it, it just applies to businesses or, po or podcasts. I think it, 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 it matters in life. Whoever you approach in life has something to tell you, to, to teach you and something that might be valuable to you. I really think that's, I don't know, I think that's a gem. I think that's a gem. On the on the podcasting note, Julian, I wanted to ask, was there some time where you like really said like, I made a mistake here and I know I made a mistake. And what's that, the biggest mistake you made and the biggest lesson you learned from it in the process? Was yeah. there a time? I feel like I make mistakes every day, right? But being open to making mistakes, I think is part of the uh, disposition and mindset that you kind of have to do to succeed, right? If I'm constantly fearing of making the mistake, I stay in a comfort zone and then I can't really achieve my mission, you know, you know whether it's business or, or nonprofit related or movement related. It's like, okay, well, you know, like people don't like to lose. So then if they lose at a new sport or a new game or whatever, for example, they'll stop playing because I just don't like the feeling of losing. And I'm of the mindset that the more I lose and the more I dissect why I lost and the more I learn from the people who are better than me, then I'm going to get better, <laughs> right? Especially if it's something I care about. If I'm investing my time, energy, money, my opportunities to, to doing a podcast, then, you know, I can't be limited by those fears. I got to welcome them, right? So that's one thing. It's like, I thank people when they beat me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I just got better. <laughs> yeah. And when they speak to me about how they did it, I just got better. So thank you, you know, um, that kind of thing. It's, but some of the difficulties for me are, I think, also part of my disposition. Part of it's obviously environmental and part of it is, is just nature, but obviously you can't have nature without environment. So they're interconnected. When what I mean by 
by limitations, environmental limitations are like, well, again, those systems of oppression, you know, I didn't inherit all this wealth that, you know, that came from people who ended up taking lands and building multi-billion dollar businesses. So I don't have startup funds, right? So I know how difficult it is to start something. And if you make a mistake, that might be the only chance you had to start a business, right? When people who have startup funds or family who can bail them out be like, okay, well, yeah, you can fail five times of the business and let's try another idea. So I'm also strategic in that. I don't have a safety net to fall on. And I know the limitation of people who want to start something who like, well, yeah, Julian, I want to make mistakes, but I can't fail completely. And you got to be strategic about that. But you also can't delude yourself thinking like, oh, I'm going to succeed in regardless of what, right? It's like, well, then you got to know what the reality is on the ground and do your research to understand what the risks are of failing and how much are you able to, to risk in order to go in. So I always know very clearly what my risks are and like worst case scenario, am I prepared for that? And, I, and then I prepare for that. A part of it is for me is, and I try to speak about this openly, and I always find it interesting how podcasts or how different people who interview me tend to edit it out, which I think says a lot about the culture. But I speak about my different mental health issues and my different diagnoses I've had, you know, my obsessive compulsive personality disorder, my obsessive compulsive disorder. All these things create a certain kind of disposition that it's a part, it's a part of me, it's a certain personality. So, so how do I separate that from what I do, right? It's like, well, part of it is like, I'm constantly, you look at my bio, I am doing things all the time, right? I am constantly trying to perfect something, working towards something. That's part of, of something that, you know, in a capitalist market, well, people love someone like that because you're constantly producing, you're very detail oriented, you go deep into things. So I try to kind of, okay, I know that's something that I can leverage, right? So that's another lesson is instead of looking at all these things as negatives, you know, because they affect certain relationships and they affect, you know, like I work too much and I don't focus on all these different things or, you know, I'm always hoarding money. Like <laughs> obsessive compulsive personality disorder is the only, and I say disorder in, in quotations, is the only like disorder that one of the characteristics is money. Is it's like, I am so afraid of a catastrophe happening in the future that I want to be super prepared so all of that like super preparedness and strategizing and planning things out is I'm so afraid of worst case scenarios <laughs> that I'm always thinking of worst case scenarios. I really that I think that helped you last year. <laughs> Completely. I mean, I was super prepared, right? Because a catastrophe hit, <laughs> right? I'm like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the chances here? Right. But I was like, I was ready. <laughs> but also it creates certain barriers for certain things. Like, okay, I'm hoarding all this money for a catastrophe, but I'm not going to spend any money on my business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because just in case I don't have it, right? So some of those limitations for me are, I spend so much of my time of doing everything, you know, and I focus on so many little details. And part of it is very, um, it's grounded in control. Like I want to be in control of my environment so I can predict a safe future. And part of that is like, okay, I need to control everything that's going on. And that's not always healthy. 
for me and for, you know, people who I'm coordinating action with, you know, like for a long time, I would not give interviews simply because I couldn't control the final product. Okay. Yeah. So I went, I went probably from 2009 until 2019. I said, I'm not going to give any more interviews. (laughs) And I just started kind of opening up again, you know, like I've given like four in the past month. So I'm just slowly starting to open that up again. But because I've been getting therapy and dealing with like, okay, what's up with my control issues? <laughs> you know, like, so I think a lot of it is a lot of the limitations are internal, right? How, where am I? And why am I like this? And then what are certain barriers that that creates? And then how do I actively go about managing that? And then what are some of the things that could actually be leveraged in manifesting whatever it is you're trying to manifest with your movement, with your organization, with your relationships, with your business, whatever. So I go inward a lot, just like I go deep with the conversations on the podcast. I have to go look in the mirror, unpeel the layers and look at the ugly as well as the good. Because what I'm doing with with society and my cultural critiques, et cetera, I have to do that myself too. I've also grown up in a culture that does not value me or others in certain ways. And how do I then actively become anti? How, you know, my intent is not enough. (laughs) What's the impact of my intent? So one of those limitations is how are you standing in your own way? Not just how society's standing in your way. And then how do I, where do I identify power in order to really effectively move ahead with that. And then also like, okay, my limitations funding, because I have not focused on funding. And that's been one huge mistake. I say limitation before about the personal, but that was one mistake that I was standing in my own way, because I'm like, I had had therapy for a long time, and I was on meds, and then I went off it for 10 years. And then I did, you know, I ended up crashing, hitting a very big low last year, before the pandemic hit. I got to, you know, and I had all these responsibilities and all these things I was doing. So I needed to like, okay, well, one of the mistakes was overlooking my own health, mental health, emotional health, physical health. I can't give back to the community if I'm not well enough to give to the community, regardless of how much I feel like I have to constantly give. So that was one big mistake, right? Because there was several times where I just wanted to like, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to stop. And I'm done with the Nishona, right? You know, I'm not getting really much money back. I'm not, I could, but I haven't been focusing on that. What's my return on investment? You know, I just got to, you know, so it's like, okay, well, where's that balance where I can give of myself and still be healthy and have the relationships with myself, with the other, with my community, with my life activity and so on, where it's healthy and afloat and I'm not just surviving. So I have to be very clear so I don't make that mistake again because I run myself to the ground and to just kind of deal with all those traumas that end up being barriers. And then two, it's like, okay, well, the other thing is like, okay, funding. I have not centered funding. And yes, we're a mission-driven movement. We're not profit, but to do things effectively, you still got to figure out, you know, I've always been in the mindset that money is not the same as currency. I have not been focusing on currency, but I've been focusing on money, money in the sense of how can I achieve my goals? Sometimes currency helps, but sometimes building relationships helps. Having access to different networks help having, you know, all those things. So my money is 
how can I manifest the outcomes that I'm trying to manifest? And part of that is currency. And I focus on everything other than currency. When I think most other people focus on currency at the expense of all the other things, right? So my capacity to, to generate effective action has been limited because I focused on, let's say, three out of the four pillars where I can gain some power in order to manifest what, you know, my mission. So I need to focus on money. And if I'm not good at that, you know, a mistake was that like, oh, you know, I could do it, but I'll do it later, but I'll do it later. And I'm constantly producing relationships, new content. And for me, everything has to be perfect. So it's like, okay, well, we'll apply for nonprofit status. We'll apply for grants and fellowships. It's like, oh, but you know, we're not good enough to where I want to be in order to do that. Before you know it, years go by and I still haven't applied, but we're doing more than most organizations are doing. It's like, we're definitely good enough. So I had to get, again, stand out of my own, move out of my own way, find someone who's like, okay, you know what? I need help here. Where do I need help? Go find help. (laughs) And then they can take care of that. Right. So that's what I'm doing right now, which is something I wish I did before is, okay, someone to deal with the development economic component of, you know, all these things. And then so I can spend my time in what I'm good at. So identifying, you know, and it's hard to like always be looking for negative things about yourself. But if you are responsible for a movement, for an organization, for people's lives and livelihoods, then you got to also, like I keep saying, you got to put yourself in their shoes and what are their concerns? Yeah, people will volunteer for a movement, but they're only going to volunteer as so far as they can actually volunteer because they also have to pay bills. They have to put food on the table. They have to take care of their kids or their spouses and, you know, and they're limited. So I, I have to center that. And that's something, huge mistake that I've always known, but I know that because I'm such a control freak and I produce a lot that I'm like... I'm going to be all right, but I also don't want to you know, live out of savings or put too much stress on my family because I'm not making as much as we should, right? Not as we should, but as I could to help us prepare for that catastrophe or, or retirement <laughs> or whatever, you know what I mean? So yeah. those are the big things. Looking inwardly, figuring out what is what are mistakes that you have done, you know, patterns of mistakes that could become continuing patterns in the future. Where do you need help? And then- what do you need as a, to create as a solid foundation for it to be successful so you're not surviving or only relying on people's you know, good nature kind of thing, right? Because right. Where you, whether you pay them or not, yeah, you pay them, but it doesn't mean they want to stay. So you know, I focus on the reasons why they want to stay and be involved in something. But you know, <laughs> we also got to you know, take care of all those concerns. So those are the two biggest mistakes that I'm now trying to actively and intentionally rectify. I didn't anticipate this to grow as quickly as it has. So in the mistake, kudos, which is a great problem to have. Yeah. But, you know, so I constantly have to check myself and be like, okay, take a step back. (laughs) What do we need? Because I'm just in production mode. Months can go by and I haven't like, oh, wait, we got to focus on this now because of this threat that might pop up. So how do we go from this idea of, Okay, we have certain promises we make to the community. Okay, well, are we in constantly putting out fires mode, right? Survival mode? How do we move from that to like, okay, actually take care of our responsibilities, our promises that we've made to our community and our relationships, et cetera. And then how do we go from that, creating a foundation where we can go from putting out fires, survival to, okay, actually fulfill our promises to then take 
advantage of opportunities and create and identify opportunities. And the way I work is I'm always looking for opportunities to create new things, to innovate, to architect something, but I need to have a solid foundation. So you got to ask yourself, what do I need for that solid foundation to always be fulfilling opportunities and taking care of responsibilities? And then, and only then, not gamble. So then you can actually innovate and take and create new opportunities. Because that's ultimately a gamble. Oh, well, you know, it's like, oh, well, we haven't hit a catastrophe yet. And we haven't hit a fire for a while. That's just luck. If I didn't create a system and a foundation where that made it so it would never happen. (laughs) Right. So those are things that I'm constantly thinking about as someone who is responsible for others. I love love how you like numbered all all of these mistakes that that are constant and that are very real and I think that when you take the responsibility to put information out to the world as having a podcast, having a podcast is a responsibility at the end of the day, whichever the content is, yeah. look at yourself before and, and keep yourself in check. I wanted to ask you one last thing. Is there a hack, like, you know, this trick that you have under your sleeve that you practice all the time and that you said like, when you found it was like, oh my God, this changed my life. What's your number one hack? I think people look at hacks too much technically, you know, like a technical skill. And I think those are all valuable, you know, like me learning how to, you know, create a website, how to do sound engineering, how to do all these things are hacks because I didn't have those skills before. So I learned from people who do it well. You know, I ask the right questions. I find the right mentors. I'm humble enough to recognize my own, my own limitations. And then I go find the hacks, right? But I think one of the biggest hacks is that mindset, that humility, because it's, it's that humility of your own limited knowledge that is going to open you up to see the hacks and to, and to listen to the hacks, right? To listen to people who have knowledge, to listen and learn, you know, to listen and learn. And there are hacks everywhere, But if you don't have the right language or the right mindset to interpret something as a hack, then you're never going to see a hack that's right in front of you. Meaning you're not going to disclose a new world that could be an opportunity to help you achieve whatever it is you're trying to, to achieve, right? So for me, I think one of the great things that's helped me, my hack, is that it's a mindset, you know, of learning, you know, of humility, of listening, of learning, and only acting afterwards. Because only after I've listened and I've learned, do I then understand the concern that needs to be taken care of? And then I know what questions to ask for help with. Because if I'm looking for a hack, I need to figure out what concern I'm trying to take care of. And sometimes the concerns, you know, I can assume the community needs something, but if I don't listen from them and learn from them, I'm never going to get the right hack to help them. Yeah, I get it. So it's, it's, I think for me, it's that humility and the curiosity that then discloses opportunities and creates situations where you can actually identify where, where hacks are needed and then how you can then go get those, the knowledge that ultimately becomes the hack. Keep That's learning. The, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Leanne, before we go, where can our listeners find more about you, reach out to you, get a hold, maybe volunteer for your organization? Yeah. So a few places. So starting off with the Naciona. So easy, the Naciona.com. 
you know, I know you, I think you can find it in the show notes. So T-H-E-N-A-S-I-O-N-A.com. And you can find everything there. Same thing with um, social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just look for Danaciona, one word. You'll be able to find some of the stuff there. For me, you can find me at jetorreslopez.com. That's my website. And you can find, you know, you can find my social media, how to contact, learn more about the kind of work that I've done, how we can collaborate together. I'm always looking for projects to collaborate on which is another mistake of mine is, is that I, I need to get better at saying no, because I stretch out my capacity, <laughs> but I'm always looking for projects. So yeah. So it's either Donna Shona and donnashona.com or J E torreslopez.com. And my handles are ultimately like J underscore E underscore Torres Lopez on Twitter and Instagram. Well, my people, you're all going to find all this information in the show notes. Just make sure to reach out if you're interested in all that Julian is and his wonderful work, all that he's doing for the communities to bring up the light on these important issues and help people that's not always seen get a light and a voice and a space to share who they are and what they need. Julian, we really thank you for this time. We appreciate all the learnings that you've shared with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and an honor, and I can't wait to see what you all keep producing for our community. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Smooth Podcast. Be sure to visit us at smoothpodcasting.com and follow us on social media for resources, show notes, and all you want to know about podcasting.